few of us would ever think to label our favorite drink as a drug. But actually, a drug is exactly what caffeine is, and it's a powerful one at that. Hello and welcome to Doctor's View, a podcast discussing everyday topics in health, fitness and mental well-being, as well as providing an insight into medical life and its challenges. Please note that all opinions are my own and should not replace the advice given to you by your own doctor. I'm Dr. Bolivios. Let's begin. Hello everyone and welcome to Doctor's View. I'm Dr. Bolivios. Firstly, hello and a very warm welcome to any new listeners that we have and a welcome back to regular listeners of the show. If you're listening to this at the time that it was published and during the midst of the pandemic, which has caused so much tragedy and hardship to so many families, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who's helping to save lives by staying at home. I know it's not easy, I know it's unnatural, but I promise from the very bottom of my heart the difference that it's made, especially to the NHS, is absolutely profound. In view of the recent lockdown, one thing that a lot of us have probably noticed, and certainly I have, is just how much tea and coffee we're drinking. Personally, I love coffee. I drink quite a lot of it. I'm willing to try lots of different flavours and brews. And coffee's a drink that a regular coffee drinker is willing to spend quite a lot of money, hundreds of pounds each year, be it in coffee shops or in for household coffee machines to roasting their own beans, all in search of that perfect cup of coffee. So I thought I would talk about what caffeine does to the body and discuss whether it's harmful and also talk about how much is too much. So I'm going to go a little bit into science here and and it might be a little bit in depth in terms of how the physiology uh, works but do bear with me. I hope you do find it interesting. Aside from the flavour, the biggest reason we drink tea and coffee is for its caffeine content. And caffeine is the most widely used psychoactive drug in the world. And when you realise just how many drinks and foods contain caffeine, it's easy to see why. It's the caffeine in our morning cup of tea or coffee that gives us that get up and go mentality or makes us feel more awake. And it's often a meme on the internet that some people shouldn't be spoken to before they've had their morning coffee. And caffeine is also the most widely socially accepted drug in the world. It's so much so that there is at least three coffee shops down any local high street and few of us would ever think to label our favourite drink as a drug. But actually, a drug is exactly what caffeine is and it's a powerful one at that. So on that note, what is caffeine? Well, caffeine is a naturally occurring chemical stimulant called trimethylxanthine. It is a found in plant products like tea leaves and of course coffee beans. And in its purest form, it's a bitter white powder. And if you're thinking that could easily resemble heroin or cocaine, you'd actually be correct. And it does actually impact the brain in a similar way, albeit to a much, much lesser extent. And how does caffeine affect our brains? Well, the answer is actually with two main things, adenosine and dopamine. Adenosine is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. And adenosine receptors are found in organs throughout the body, with the majority of the effects being on the heart and the brain. So as we go about our working day, we require energy. In order to produce energy, our body breaks down adenosine triphosphate, ATP. 
And one of the end products as a result of this breakdown is adenosine. So throughout our day, as we're working, adenosine slowly builds up inside our neurons and binds to the adenosine receptors. Now, there are different types of adenosine receptors, but the two that we're interested in are the A1 receptor and the A2A receptor. The A1 receptor is found on neurons that produce the effects to keep us awake and alert. So they do things like increase our cardiac output, increase our cardiac excitability, decrease our response to insulin, maintain a high blood pressure, etc. When adenosine binds to the A1 receptor found on these neurons, it has what's called an inhibitory effect. So these effects are decreased, making us less alert. When adenosine binds to the A2A receptors, it's understood that this promotes the release of neurotransmitters that are responsible for promoting sleep. So you can probably work out that there's a nice feedback mechanism here and Adenosine slowly builds up throughout our day as we've been working, as we've been using up energy and breaking down ATP. And so as it builds up, it starts to act on these receptors, making us less alert and more sleepy. And this is one of the reasons why we're tired at the end of the hard day's work and all we want to do is go to bed. It's our body's incredible way of promoting sleep and telling us that it's time for us to rest. Now, this is where caffeine comes in. Caffeine has a chemical structure that looks quite similar to adenosine, so much so that it's able to fit inside these adenosine receptors and therefore blocking the adenosine from occupying the receptors and activating them. So it's unable to do that whole promoting sleep and making us feel more lethargic. Now, in science speak, this means caffeine is a non-selective adenosine antagonist, just as a side note. So if adenosine can no longer bind to the A1 and A2A receptors, we no longer have this mechanism that makes us less alert and sleepy. So we feel more awake. And adenosine receptors are also thought in reducing the activity of neurotransmitters like dopamine. Dopamine is something that makes us feel happy and excited. And again, if adenosine is unable to act on these receptors to decrease the activity of neurotransmitters like dopamine, we have more of it. So it's this reason why people believe that we become addicted to caffeine and similar to other drugs as well, it, albeit to a much less extent than say things like heroin and cocaine. But the, the mechanism is, is similar. So we now know how caffeine works to help keep us awake and we know it can make us feel good. And so the next question is, how bad is it for you? Should we stop taking our favourite psychoactive drug immediately? In a nutshell, no. It's in moderation. Caffeine is safe to enjoy. And there is some evidence for this. A systematic review conducted in 2017 looked at the potential adverse effects of caffeine amongst a healthy population. And it found that consuming less than or equal to 400 milligrams of caffeine a day, which is approximately four cups of coffee in a healthy adult doesn't have a negative effect on bone health, heart health, behavior, or on any reproductive and development systems. However, it must be said that this was looking at a healthy population. And so there may be an increased risk with people suffering from health problems. And whilst four cups a day may be okay, some studies have shown that more than this 
may be associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease. And although there may be other confounding factors, such as those who are drinking more than this may also be doing things like smoking as well, it is something to take into consideration. And whilst it was shown that four cups of coffee a day doesn't have a negative impact on cardiovascular disease, we do know that caffeine does temporarily increase blood pressure. And we don't know that observations on measures such as blood pressure, anxiety and sleep would necessarily have led to negative overall health comes, outcomes later on. So as a side note, I do want to say that the NHS here in the UK recommends no more than 200 milligrams of caffeine per day for a pregnant woman. And 400 milligrams of caffeine, as this study has shown, for everyone else, other adults. There are a few other things that we need to take into consideration too, and the review showed that consumption of coffee led to increasing measures of anxiety, and unsurprisingly, given now that we know how caffeine works, delays in getting to sleep and decreases in quality of sleep. Now, I've touched on caffeine and sleep in a previous podcast with Dr. Mike Farquhar on discussing sleep and health. And for me, it's the sleep aspect that I find probably the most fascinating with caffeine and health. And given the number of physical and mental health problems that can arise from poor sleep, it can be argued that caffeine can indeed be harmful in the long term if it's taken too late in the day or in excess causing sleep disruption. And there's a few things that are often overlooked with regards to regular coffee drinking. And some of those things include how long caffeine actually stays in the system. It has a half-life of around six hours. So six hours after taking it, half of the caffeine is still in your body. And it's definitely something to think about if you're having a cup of coffee at, say, four or five in the afternoon. It's still going to be there in your system when you go to bed later on in the evening at, say, even nine, ten o'clock. And so it will affect your sleep later on. We also don't realise just how many different foods and beverages contain caffeine. And we'll say... A brewed, average brewed cup of coffee is around 100 milligrams of caffeine for reference. Tea is not caffeine free and neither is green tea. So it's always worth looking for a herbal tea that says it's naturally caffeine free if you're trying to avoid a caffeinated drink. And the amount of caffeine does vary in tea. And although it's not as much as coffee, the amount does increase the longer that the tea is brewed and the longer you leave the bag in, in for. So it's worth taking that into consideration if you do like strong tea. Fizzy drinks also contain quite a lot of caffeine and a can of Coca-Cola for example contains 32 milligrams of caffeine which is quite a considerable amount actually for for a soft drink and Diet Coke actually contains even more at 42 milligrams and there's relatively quite a bit of caffeine in chocolate. A large chocolate bar of dark chocolate for example contain around 60 milligrams of caffeine that's quite a lot. So a 30 milligram serving might be around 20 milligrams, but this can add up, especially if you do enjoy chocolate throughout the day. And if you do enjoy a hot chocolate before bed, you might find you're taking it as a relaxing evening drink, but it may not actually be helping you to sleep at all. So it's worth noting also that those who enjoy decaf coffee or tea, thinking that they're avoiding the problem, decaffeinated is not the same as uncaffeinated. So whilst the amount of caffeine in a decaffeinated cup of coffee is considerably less than a regular cup of coffee, it's still not caffeine-free, and it's something worth taking into consideration too. Caffeine's also quite a potent diuretic, meaning that it will promote you to pass urine. So you may find that 
if you're consuming quite a lot of tea or coffee, you may be running to the loo quite often. And this is where sometimes replacing a regular cup of coffee for a decaf cup of coffee can help. But just on a side note, please don't assume that any urinary symptoms that you may be having are simply down to your caffeine intake. Please do go and see your doctor if you're suffering from any urinary problems. Some studies have suggested that caffeinated beverages may also worsen gastroesophageal reflux disease or GORD in some people. And this seems to be especially true in coffee. Like a lot of addictive drugs, we can suffer from withdrawal symptoms when we're used to something like caffeine and we suddenly stop taking it. And this can include things like headaches, irritability and muscle aches. So if you are having some withdrawal symptoms, maybe it is a time to look at the amount of ca- caffeine that you are taking in and try and wean that down slowly. One thing I would advise against, however, is energy drinks, especially in teenagers. There's some energy drinks out there that contain so much caffeine and sugar that it's not unheard of for them to actually cause arrhythmias in healthy individuals. And I would always advise against them. I think a normal normal espresso would be much better, but that's me. I know that I've mentioned quite a lot of negatives and I do have to have a reiterate that from the current studies, caffeine in moderation is considered safe and so many people could argue that the happiness it brings to so many individuals, myself included, more than outweighs the potential risks. But please do take into consideration any other health problems that you may have. So as with most things in life, be sensible, use common sense and listen to what your body is trying to tell you. That's it for this week. If you're enjoying the show, please do subscribe or follow and leave a review. And if there are any questions that you'd like me to answer or any topics that you'd like me to consider for the show, please do contact me via adoctorsview.uk. And do follow me on Instagram. Handle is at adoctorsview for some behind the scenes post. And as always, please look after yourself and please do continue to stay safe and protect everyone around you. I'm Dr. Olivios. Goodbye. <laughs>